This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 388. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode it is our final summer series episode of the week looking at the sixes, bitches. We've arrived at 2006. Three movies in contention for that lonely third spot representing this year and next year's Uber. Uber. Steroid injected Thunderdome. What movie will make it through? Well, just check out the end of the episode to find out. It's all there. Nice and easy. Super breezy. Now, this is the last episode with this lineup of hosts. Some of them will, well, they will return. That's that's a given. Some of them won't. Because they will have done their duty. The rest of the week for podcasts under the stairs looks like this. Tomorrow, you're getting a special bonus episode where I review the final Arrow screener that I got from the London Fright Fest era of movies that came out. On the Teapots Collective, nothing. And that's it. That's you. Totally caught up. Couldn't be any easier than that. Next week, we're doing it all over again. We're in the sevens. And you will be getting six episodes Four summer series episodes, one shudder and go, and a little, well, 88 films Italian collection, just for shits and giggles. You'll also be getting a doing the nasty episode at the end of the week. So, that is your lot, that's you all caught up, so let's fucking do this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a summer series episode, welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs, but most importantly, welcome to 2006. You see that crap? All that horror crap? Things coming out of crates and eating people? Dead people coming back to life? People turning into weeds, for Christ's sake? Well, yes, I did, but I... Well, you want them reading that stuff? Well, no, but... All right, then. I took care of it. That's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. But I have to and... Tonight, I'm going to show you something. Every humiliation which stood in his way could be swept aside by the simple act of annihilation. Murder. Lick my plate, you dog bitch! I believe in the life eternal, as promised to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Boy, 
What do you want? By this simple act of annihilation. Most of all, fuck you! Fuck you, asshole. That's fucking crazy, man. Ted, hey, Ted, where the hell is Arts Pro? God damn, motherfucker got blood all over my best clown suit. You stupid bitch, you fucking slut! Did you fuck with me? Most of all, fuck you! Because I cut up his legs. And his arm. And his head. And I'm gonna do the same to you. Welcome back ladies and gents, this is the final summer series episode of this week. We are rolling ourselves into 2006 and what, what fun we have had thus far. Yesterday's episode couldn't have been any easier. We were just like, we, we, we babe roofed it, we called our shot, we took it and we scored. Um, as it stands just now though, we are rolling in to 2006 we have three movies for contentions here and I told the guys before we started recording I ain't got a horse in this one at all I'd like if any of the three of these go through I am fine with that I'll tell you why I say that because the two movies that did go through were my two picks for 2006 we got Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth and Bong Joon-ho's The Host representing it this year and I was ecstatic when those went through. Uh, one man who was maybe not so happy, we're going to get to him in a second, where he was pushing for a certain movie that's on this list because he was on that original recording back in the day. Uh, that man, of course, would be uh, Derek. How's it going, Derek? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> it's been a long week. It, it has been a long week. Uh, you have... A movie in this selection of three that you were pretty adamant should go through um, on the 2006 episode and uh, did. Maybe it changed. You never know. Maybe it changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, right. You, oh, so you're keeping me on my toes. I see what you're saying. Right, we'll say no more. We're going to say no more, Derek. We'll not give them any, any indicators there. Um, joining yourself and myself is Mark Ball. How's it going, Mark? Oops, sorry, couldn't get my mic yeah, unmuted. I love the fact uh, that I'm fa- double clicking, Man. double clicking. I'm doing pretty all right. I'm filled with regret that when we were talking about From Beyond a couple day, a couple, yeah, a couple days ago, uh, I didn't make the joke that Resonator is what I called my bong. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> it's what I call my uh, battery-operated strap-on, Mark. So. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> it's for that's for the millennial that, glands 
<laughs> that's yeah. that's for doing the nasty after dark. Yeah, it's behind a paywall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, which is also the nickname for my anus. So um, <laughs> paywall. Yeah, paywall. It's behind the paywall, Mark. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> I did not expect this intro to go this way, uh, but I should have anticipated it. Um, Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. And my resonator is named Resonator. So. There we go. So you get that. <laughs> before, we, before we go on, I gotta say my asshole's named Grant Grant. Oh, they could. <laughs> Where's this going? I don't know. I don't know people named their assholes. Yeah, well, it's, the, I mean, too much. Too, like, well, we're all not doing anything for two years during COVID, Mark. Everything's been named at this point. <laughs> Even the stuff that shouldn't have been. I just uh, spit out my drink. <laughs> uh, right. uh, rounding out our uh, our selection of hosts uh, is Mr. Venom. How's it going, Venom? Greetings and salutations, friends. Yeah, it's doing. I am. I am doing well. It's going well. Um, even though I have two votes on this episode, I I am like you, Duncan. I don't really have a horse in this race. Uh, I love all three of these movies equally for different reasons, which I'll go into in a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, I am completely open to my co-hosts kind of steering one or both of my votes in one way or another. Ooh. So, No pressure, guys. Beyond, <laughs> no, no pressure, guys. No pressure at all. Uh, don't fuck it up. Um, right. Let's, uh, let's get down to brass tacks, shall we? We have three movies here that could potentially make the third spot. Um, The first movie uh, would be a little movie called Slither. The second movie would be Behind the Mask, The Rise of Lazy Vernon. And the third movie would be The Hills Have Eyes remake. Uh, We'll start with The Hills Have Eyes remake, directed by Alexandra Azure, uh, based upon the original premise by Wes Craven, with a screenplay done by Azure and Gregory Lavasseur. Um, the synopsis for this one is a travelling family fall victim to a group of mutated cannibals in a desert far away from civilization. The movie itself stars Ted Levine, Kathleen Quinnan, uh, Dan Bird, Emile DeRaven, Maxine Guilford, uh, Michael Bailey-Smith, Tom Bower, Vanessa Shaw, Robert Joy, Laura Ortiz. Uh, some trivia on this movie. Uh, makeup artist Greg Nicotero was featured as Sist, the mutant with the halo headgear. Temperatures soared to excess of 120 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't work with Fahrenheit, but I'm going to assume that's hot uh, on the Moroccan desert set. Wes Craven and producer Peter Locke originally wanted to film the new version in the exact same desert location as the 1977 film, but when they went out to scout the locations, they found a number of condominium developments had been built. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck gentrification. <laughs> yeah, paved paradise and put up a parking lot. Ooh, la, 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 la. Um, almost all of Ted Levine's actions and lines were improvised, which was really weird in that scene where he was like, she that great big fat person? Um, so, <laughs> like... Do uh, fuck me, I'd fuck me. I'd fuck I'd him as well. I'd fuck you, Pyro. Um, so, uh, around the three minute mark, the photos of the mu- uh, mutations that play during the opening credits are not atomic mutations but birth defects caused by the use of Agent Orange in Vietnam. Namland! 
That's bad humour. Don't laugh. Um, I'll kick us off in this one. Um, this is a movie that I universally hated up until we did Summer Series. Uh, what, two years ago now? I really didn't like the Hills of Eyes remake at all. I'm a big old fan of that original and I felt the remake was uh, a remake that spent far too much time trying to make the gore effects look really good and not much else. It fell in a group of films that I feel do a, a kind of similar job where the emphasis is put towards what was selling big in the mid-2000s, which is all that torturey, bloody stuff, and maybe not on the good stuff, like the exploitation and the gore and all that shit. Um, and when I say gore, I mean like in terms of the actual violent gore and not the gore effects. Um, I think sometimes uh, the, the, the mid-2000s uh, got a little bit carried away with itself, and sometimes that gets you great cinema, and then other times it's like, well, you know, I kind of prefer the, the old way that we did this. And then I sat down to watch it, reluctantly, may I add, for the 2006 episode, and I kind of felt a wee bit ashamed of myself. I'm a big fan of Azure, have been pretty much since the guy assaulted my eyes with high tension and this was always one of those ones where I was like I feel like I should enjoy this movie but uh, yeah, it's just never going to happen and a, a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders when I sat and watched that time and it just clicked for me I, I found my enjoyment in it and I've rolled right through it um, do I think it's as good as the original? no, uh, the original is a weird oddity by a weird director um, and this one does feel like a very conventional horror movie um, it has honestly some of the best practical effects from the year though um, that really, I mean, have aged incredibly well, like sitting down and watching this, what, where, where are we now, what, uh, so that's four, 16 years since it was made um, they still work perfectly um, and time has been very, very kind also got some great casting here, I really I, I think they, they, they managed to pull it in the casting of that original movie is goofy but is goofy and weird but that kind of aids it because of its time period and this time period we kind of need actors with more chops and we, we have it here so yeah like the revisit two years ago was immensely positive for me the revisit for this particular show just kept that going uh, once again moved a little notch up for me um, it's a movie that flies in it's got great pacing uh, delivers the nastiness delivers weirdness, updates the story in the way that remakes should with the best possible way um, and yeah I, th I, think it's, I think it's a great horror remake whereas if you'd asked me not long after it came out uh, very much similar to the the, the old uh, the old 86 conversation where Venom was like I went to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and I was outraged I kind of like that's how I felt when I saw this movie the first time around and very much like uh, Venom nowadays with Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, 2 I have also one eighty on this movie so yeah I think it's a great movie I think it has a shot here but then I also think the other two movies have a shot so bring your A-game and trying to convince me what one stands atop the pile uh, let's go to well I've just mentioned him like three times so it's like Beetlejuice uh, Mr. Venom thoughts <laughs> uh, it's funny because uh, my story with this movie actually mirrors yours very close oh wow I was not very happy with this film again because of how much of a fan I was of the original I absolutely adore Wes Craven's 
um, rendition of this, uh, the original, the original was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like even today to watch it, it's a cringy movie. You know, you're constantly moving up on the couch and trying to get as far away from the screen as mm -hmm. possible with this awful shit that's going on. And the remake just paled in comparison. Like I went to the theater to see it and I didn't hate it. Like Texas Chainsaw walking out of the theater, but I just remember thinking, eh, it's a movie. Like it didn't thrill me. I did love the effects, of course. I mean, that's what everybody was raving about at the time. Uh, you know, I love the, the family. I love all, you know, all the different mutations that we see, but it, it just never kind of hit me the way that original did. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe if I would have seen this one first, you know things may be a little bit different but that that yeah that first movie man it, ah, I, I can't even really put it into words just the it, once again it's that train wreck situation where i want to look away and i just can't yeah, yeah, Pluto, yeah. you know the original pluto and and yeah, those guys just oh my god it's so much more like like by the time 2006 rolled, rolled around victimizing a baby was almost commonplace like yeah <laughs> it just didn't hit you at the state whereas when you watch the original it's like holy shit especially if you're watching it like in 79 or 80 like i was way too young to be watching it but it just the the, the way that it struck me you know last house on the left did the exact same thing it, it just it hits you deep inside and you, you know and it leaves an impression. It may be a good impression. It may be a bad impression. But whatever, you know, either way, these are the types of movies that leave impressions. Mm -hmm. And the remake just never left an impression for me. And I love Alexander Aja. I genuinely do. Crawl was one of my favorite movies of 2018. Mm -hmm. I it just that movie had no right to be as good as it was. It, it was just <laughs> a stupid alligator movie, but it was freaking awesome. I don't know how they did it. And the dog lived. Spoiler alert. Anyway, <laughs> any horror movie that lets the pets live, I I'm down with. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, I I'm just one of those middle of the road guys with this movie. Like, I, you know, it never really thrilled me that much. I'd never hated it necessarily, mm -hmm. um, the way I hated Texas Chainsaw Massacre for a good year or two after I first saw it. <laughs> but um, it just, like I said, this is just one of those movies that, like, yeah, it's okay. I, it's really hard for me to kind of look at this and say it's one of the best of the year, but my mind is open. I'm, I'm, I'm susceptible to having my mind changed, and you know, thus far, everybody sounds kind of, at least you and I, yeah. are both kind of, you know, lukewarm on it, and you know, that, that's not voting well for the film. So let's see. Let's see if anyone else is going to pick up the the baton for this one and run for it. And let's go to Jeff. No, I'm not going to pick up any baton. I refuse. Uh, but <laughs> this, this film, it's fine. I, you know, I like it. And and so I, my history with it is I, I saw it before the original. Um, you know, and around this time with the, uh, I don't know, like what, what what would you say was coming out around this time? Like Eli Roth, Rob Zombie. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, right in porn era. Yeah, it's, it, the thing is, it's, um, the weird thing about the torture porn era is there are some blatant, you know, like, the, you know, you've got your Saw movies, your, well, your Saw sequels, essentially, your Hostels, etc., mm -hmm. that, that fall within that category. But then you got, like, Hollywood did, while they were remaking movies which made sense to remake, there was a ton of exploitation movies that were remade as well. So, like, things like I Spit in Your Grave, Last House on the Left, all got remakes in or around the same time as this. So they took all of them and what it felt like was updated on all those movies 
was the gore. Like, it was like they, they kind of yeah. like lost touch with the exploitation angle and were like, well, we could, you know, that we could, new modern practical effects, these movies could be so much more gnarly. Um, and they are right in that capacity, but I think that's not what made those movies, that's not what makes the original Hills Have Eyes a great movie, is the, you know, is the gore. It's like Venom put, it's that weird, uncomfortable element of what happened here, who are these people, why are they like this, and mm -hmm. you feel for the family in that part. By this movie, it's kind of like, well, that's a gnarly effect, that's a gnarly effect, that's gnarly, and uh, no point am I really, like, digging down to why that guy looks like that, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a whole yeah. sea of them, and they're all from about the same era of these exploitation, either rape revenge movies or exploitation horror movies, that are remaked in a window about, what, four years? Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, they're and all kind of... It kind of started with, like, the whole Dark Castle stuff of kicking yeah. it off like late 90s to the early 2000s and those finding the financial success probably that they did everybody's like oh okay grab up like any property that's not nailed down and we'll remake it we'll spruce it up with these you know yeah. images and like uh, effects and then we'll go from there and it seems like it worked <laughs> like like a lot of those films made money Oh yeah, like I, I, yeah, it's very, it's very difficult not to make money on a horror movie, uh, like, and especially one that has a name value. So anything that you yeah. can attach a name to, um, that people know, then yeah, right. you're, you're quids in. It's like, it's like one name and a bunch of unknowns. So you're not, you know, you're not paying anything to make a lot of money. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I agree kind of with you guys that the original just based on circumstances it's like scarier more believable um i also i think it's more believable if family uh, a sheriff retired and they have to go look at like the world's largest paperclip or whatever <laughs> random nonsense they're going to see in the original. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like yeah that's the most believable part this guy looks miserable <laughs> they're like hey be careful he's got a heart condition then you know five seconds later he's drag racing his station <laughs> dirt road and bashes and they're like huh i wonder what happened that's so strange um yeah i think the original does it better aja does you know spruce this one up make it look really good um the gore that's one thing you know when i originally saw it stuck out and you know you i appreciated it for what it was at the time yeah like, all right I, i'm glad to see horror go in this direction but let's see now where it goes and now we are where we're at but you know it's fine it's it's a decent film let's go to derek derek is speaking yes. <laughs> mark was like uh, me no. me <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but anyways uh yeah uh, you know i actually kind of talked about some of the things about this movie when i was an adjudicator on that summer series episode mm -hmm. and the one thing that you know because I'll give you a little back history. I used to love this movie when it first came out. I, to be fair, I did not see the original. I only seen this version first, and you know, yeah, I was, it was, it was like that era of horror. That's when I got into horror again. Was like when this movie came out. Another movie we're gonna talk about in a minute. But the one thing that kind of on rewatch, especially when I did rewatch it for the summer series that year, was the the score of this movie is fucking bland as all hell the mm. tom and andy score it's kind of generic when you listen to it you're like i would never like buy this like you know 
it doesn't it sounds like scores from that era of movies in that sense if you know what i mean yeah, yeah. you know and the one thing that you know i kind of love about the original was the papa jupiter character and he's fucking wasted in this fucking movie hmm. like when you especially when you cast somebody like billy drago who could choose fucking those same kind of lines like uh that james whitmore did in the original it would have been kind of interesting to see drago's take on that character instead of being a hulk and like he is in the end you know it's just you know robert joy is fucking having a ball in this movie though mm-hmm. this lizard you know he's he's a great character actor the first movie i ever seen that dude in was like that christopher Lambert movie resurrection oh and god like, oh, it's that dude I love that movie. It's guilty pleasure. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's not a bad movie. It, it just goes down on me on rewatch with certain aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And it, I do prefer the original. I love the dirtiness of the graininess of the grindhouse feel of it a little bit more than this one. But this one's okay. You know, I'm not saying I hate it. Yeah. But you know. Alright, well here we go, let's swing into final uh, review thoughts on this movie from Mark Ball. Now you can unmute Mark. Ah, sorry, I didn't mean to jump the gun on that. Uh, so, I'm actually kind of with Derek. Like, uh, Derek, uh, I think me and I are on the same page on this one. Uh, the, the early 2000s, at the time, like, I really felt was like, you know, fucking, like, a really good time for horror movies. There was a ton of shit coming out. Uh, you guys kind of mentioned like some of the other remakes. I, I kind of think it was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake that made a fucking ton of I money. Did, yeah. And that kind of got the ball rolling on a lot of these. It was the Platinum Dunes stuff that was like really uh, bringing in the viewers and bringing in the money. Like in the, you know, the Strike Entertainment put out the Dawn of the Dead remake in 04. And then this rolled around. And yeah, I, uh, I think I saw this and the original around the same time. And at the time, I felt like this one was like the really big upgrade. I'm like, the gore is way better. Like, the acting's a little better. Like, everything is kind of dialed up to 11, like, including the violence and, you know, uh, just the overall tone. Just the nasty tone of it is like way turned up in the remake, I feel like. Uh, since I, I think I've, I've watched the original way more times than I've watched this. So it had been a while since I'd revisited this. And I just didn't really i don't have as much fun with this as i do the original like as like the uh, this especially the scene in the trailer like with the like the the, the rape is a lot more implied in the remake and it's a lot yeah. more disturbing and the actors are just like i mean they're they're acting their asses off i just don't find it like an enjoyable watch really like i do the original and i i also agree i feel like the the the, the people the mutants whatever you want to call them uh, they don't really have like any character in this movie. Like, like Derek said, Billy Drago's totally wasted. They replaced fucking Michael Berryman like in one of his most iconic roles Sloth. with with Sloth from yeah. fucking Goonies <laughs> or like hey, he's like basically he's basically Jason from fucking like part three of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's, that's a comparison. You're right. That's that's just such a that's a huge fucking downgrade I, I i still think that like the one huge upgrade this movie gets is ted levine is the fucking dad because now like yeah. i kind of just think of him as like the dad in both of these like he, he he does such a great impersonation of the dad from the original and i i, I think it's fascinating that his a lot of his dialogue was 
ad-libbed this movie overall like i kind of feel like this is kind of an unnecessary remake which mm -hmm. is not something that i say very often about remakes like you know there's lots of movies that you can redo and improve on this like doesn't that that's the other thing that i kind of misremembered about this I, I remember there being a lot more in the third act where the dude like goes off to the abandoned town and stuff mm -hmm. and on this rewatch that really it goes by really fast and it feels like it's just a couple scenes and i was like I would have, you know, if you're going to remake this movie, like expand on it a little bit. Don't do it like quite so beat for beat because it is really, really close to the original in a lot of aspects. And like even lifts like whole pieces of dialogue. And I'm like, I could just be watching the original, which I think is like one of the best fucking horror movies ever. Um, I, I, I'm the same. I don't, I don't hate this movie, but like I remember liking it a lot more when it came out than I do now. Cool. Right, let's keep this conversation rolling into Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, directed by Scott Glosserman, based on the screenplay by Scott Glosserman and David J. Stevie. Um, synopsis for this one. Uh, the next great psycho horror slasher has given documentary crew exclusive access to his life as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy town of Glen Echo. This movie stars Nathan Basil, uh, Angela Gothels, that's not how you pronounce that, but that'll do, uh, Zelda Rubenstein, Robert England, Scott Wilson, Bridget Newton, Kate Miner, and Ben Pace. The trivia here, um, the first time Taylor interviews Eugene and his wife, the Lament Configuration puzzle box from Hellraiser can be seen sitting on the table. This is Zelda Rubenstein's last movie. Yeah. And um, also, uh, when... In fact, to be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll save a lot of me reading just, like, painless... Uh, or, yeah, painless repetitive facts of this movie has a bit a million references to other horror movies or things in it that are nods to other horror movies. So I will skip all that. Um... I'm going to go with this one first as well. I may as well do all three first here. Because like I say, I don't have a horse in this race. Um, I do really like this movie though. I think we've mentioned it before. I'll mention it every day. The fact that this movie doesn't have a sequel kind of upsets me a little bit. And I'm now at the stage now that I kind of don't want that sequel. I think we've moved on too far. Um, that I think the ship has sailed fully on this one. Um... It looked like it was going to happen a few times, but obviously didn't. The meta became a huge thing, obviously, um, post-Scream. It existed before Scream, but it became prominent again in, um, in horror circles and filmmaking circles, uh, kind of post-Scream. And I'd seen it done a few different ways, and some of them were cool, but to get a slasher movie that manages to do everything it does in terms of its meta references paying homage to the genre but also delivering it in a way which doesn't feel cynical like it's trying too hard to point things out to the audience but also deliver a character that I genuinely feel could have been the next big horror icon um, like I I absolutely like I, I love the performance of, of Leslie Vernon in this one and um, 
it, it has aided so much from his movement. Like his movement's incredible. Like it, just the way we set up things, the overall reveal of what we're actually doing, and then that like ball tickling tease in the end credits of where we might have went next. Uh, it's well paced. It's, it's, it's very well shot for its limited budget. The script is tight and sharp and funny. It has great cameos. Um, Robert England is fucking awesome in this one as the you know as the as the kind of Loomis s character um, as Ahab. Uh, you know it's Scott Wilson. He's brilliant in this as well. Obviously done loads in uh, The Walking Dead. But you know to me overall this movie is stolen by um, Nathan's performance as Leslie Vernon. He like he gets it. And he does really, really well. There are scenes, there a scene particularly when everything is starting to go his way, and he, he the tears well up in his eyes, and he realizes this is you know everything's working out. It is the reminds me in a lot of respects a movie that we didn't put through, The Hitcher, um, for the same reason. Like John Ryder, when when he finally gets what he wants as well, he's overcome by emotion, which is about the only time you properly see the emotion take over in the psychopath size and it, it works for me it adds depth to that character fleshes it out um i also love the fact that we get the you know this idea that this you know uh, fleshing out uh, a premise that slasher killers are actually just modern day serial killers that use gimmicks and tools and um, an aura of the supernatural to like basically create their fame you know, it's, it's what they do to, to stretch things out. They're all human beings, but they're just very, very smart at what they do in terms of their enduring legacy. It's a fucking great movie. It's like, like unabashedly great movie. I've never met anyone who dislikes this movie. Um, I don't think anyone on this call is going to either. It's, it's, it's effortlessly great watch. And uh, yeah, more than worthy of consideration for the third spot. I will hand to Jeff. Thoughts on the movie? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm pretty much in agreement with everything that you said there. Uh, the, our main character, Leslie Vernon, really makes this movie. Mm. Um, just And he refers to it as a peek behind the curtain multiple times. We refer to it as viewers, as meta. But, you know, it, it, yeah. I, the, I, wanna, I don't want to call it a gimmick of this film, but it's kind of the film's gimmick. But it works really, really well for it. Um yeah, I mean, I kind of yeah, I, I dig the I guess technically twist um, that we get in this as well, and I I appreciated that too. But yeah, there's not too much more I'll throw into this. Uh, it was a rewatch, and I enjoyed it just as much this time as I did the first time. So awesome! Right, handing it to Derek. Yeah, I love this movie. It's great. Uh, I love uh, Nathan. Bizzle's performance as Leslie Vernon. It's fantastic throughout it. And the cameos are fun too. I love the scenes with him and Scott Wilson and yeah. his compound. They're so much fun. Robert England's great as always. Zelda Rubens, first time I ever seen this movie, I smiled when I saw her come on. And shout out to Kane Hodder as Guy at Elm Street House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fun little cameo there. You know, playing with like you know that it's fun it's a fun movie it's you know it's actually one of the more my type of meta movie that i enjoy you know like i said like when we reviewed scream on this, you know the scream series we did mm -hmm. right it was on scream three 
I kind of missed the whole Scream thing because I was 10. You know, mm -hmm. it was more of my sister's movie. And I did get the meta stuff. But this is done in a very different way than what was being done, done with the, the like post-Scream movies. You know, we kind of just follow the same formula as Scream. So this is a fun, unique, because it mixes two different genres, the slasher and sort of like the found footage stuff, because most of this movie is a documentary until That's right, a certain yeah. point, which I dig. I dig that aspect of it a lot. Nice, Mark Ball. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with uh, a lot of what you guys said. I, I, I remember this was a big deal when it came out. Like This was kind of ahead of its time, even though like you said, you, you can make some pretty easy comparisons to something like Scream, but uh, at the time, yeah, this this was uh, this was a movie a lot of people really liked. Um, I, I I liked it decent enough this go around. I do feel like some of the well, like you said, some of the meta stuff is a little. It just feels kind of played out at this point, and it's been done in like a zillion different ways at this point. With movies kind of just poking fun at themselves and with the genre, um, but. I, I'm I'm willing to forgive a lot of that just because I I, I love the cast in this movie. I think everybody's really great. Uh, I'm. Did you guys know that the main girl of this is the girl from Home Alone that says uh, yes, listen, okay. Tom. Yep, that that girl. Yeah. That that's, that's her all grown up, which I thought was that's that's uh, a fun thing in a movie that's kind of full of full of fun things. Um, yeah, the, this uh, I need to I need to pick up the Scream Factory Blu-ray of this because I didn't have I had a shitty like when this came out was when I was burning a lot of movies onto like blank DVDs or like go to the library and doing that shit. Which uh, yeah, allegedly the FBI. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't have a proper copy of this, so I didn't watch this for a really long time, and I'm pretty stoked that yeah it's got a pretty decent sounding release from screen factory out right now i do agree also that i think the time has kind of passed for a sequel on this and they should have done that like a long time ago but uh yeah it just didn't didn't work out for whatever reason but yeah, uh we yeah like dumb and dumber you know well yeah that's the danger isn't it yeah <laughs> you know you wait too long and then you see what you get um yeah. cool right uh final thoughts on this movie to mr venom yeah, I absolutely love this movie. This is probably my favorite of the three that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely love these performances. Obviously, you know, this is this is like a treat for horror fans, an absolute treat yeah. to see these actors that we've loved for years coming back and to actually watch a movie set in a world where Jason and Freddy and Michael yeah. all actually <laughs> existed. I mean, that is, that is just one of the most fun times a guy like me could possibly have. Um, Zelda Rubenstein, spectacular. Um, I, I I like this. This is the movie that I'm kind of leaning towards because mm -hmm. it has, in my opinion, it has the perfect mixture of the other two movies. It's got some of the hardcore violence of The Hills Have Eyes, but then it's got maybe a little bit more of the funny of our third movie that we'll mm -hmm. be talking about, you know? And I like that balance, you know? Sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't want a straight-up horror comedy, but sometimes, it, you know, you also don't want something that's, you know... Uh, gonna either depress you or unimpress you, you know, whichever one you kind of yeah. run into. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this movie I've always been a fan of. Um, I try to introduce as many people to this movie as I possibly can. I think I've watched this 
with at least four or five different people during their first watch of it. And, you know, I don't think I've had anyone say, oh, that was terrible or that was stupid. You know, it ranges from good to great for the people that I've introduced to this movie, too. And I'm actually going to disagree with a couple of my co-hosts. I would like, I would still like to see the trailer. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to Yeah, it, it's, and the only thing that I kind of use as a defense are some of the other franchises that have waited a very long time in between uh, chapters, but still gave us quality movies, quality sequels. You know, I, I think about Doctor Sleep and The Shining. Um, if they did it Psycho 2 style, I'd be down to clown on it. Thank you. I was just about to say Psycho Psycho 2. I mean, that's 28 years apart. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I understand that maybe the desire for the sequel isn't still there. But for those of us who absolutely adore this film, I think we'll always be kind of pining for a sequel on this one. Hell, I'm still waiting for my sequel to The Burning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. Yeah. One day. One day. Uh-huh. Prophecy Returns. But exactly but yeah also, over, overall uh, i absolutely love this movie yeah yeah it's great and best use of psycho killer ever to end credits that was great yeah. yeah really fun and credits overall i mean music it was great but just seeing what we saw uh yeah yeah i loved it uh you know I, I think it got all of us excited for that sequel and for like four to six years you know we were always we still kept that fire burning and even today I, you know even for somebody like me the fire has gone down a little bit yeah. but i absolutely would still love to see a sequel as long as it's the same creative team and at least most of the original cast the ones that survived um i would be very down Nice! Right, let's swing into our final movie then. Uh, our final one is Slither. This is directed by some unknown director. You may not have heard of him. James Gunn? I don't think he's really done anything. Apparently just trauma movies. Is he a big deal now? Uh, is he a great big fat person? Um, no, he's skinny, Mark. He's very skinny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's off making Marvel movies now. All the money. All the money. Um, yeah, he wrote and directed this. The synopsis for Slither is a small town is taken over by an alien plague, turning residents into zombies and all forms of mutant monsters. Uh, this movie stars Nathan Fillion, uh, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker, Don Thompson, Greg Henry, uh, Xantha Radley, Tania Solner, Dustin Milligan, Haig Sutherland, Jennifer Copping, plenty of other folk. Uh, some of the trivia for this one here. An opening scene, as they pan down the street, you can see R.J. McCready's funeral home. R.J. McCready, of course, was Kurt Russell's character in The Thing. Russell ended up working with James Gunn 11 years later after this movie in Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Cheating bitch. Uh, Michael Rooker accidentally broke his glasses off camera while doing kung fu kicks by himself. What a ledge. Um, Brenda is watching the Toxic Avenger with her baby when Grant comes to her house. Uh, in the script, Brenda is the niece of Randy Flagg. Randall Flagg is the bad guy in several of Stephen King novels, including The Stand. You can see where we're going with this here. There's, once again, nods and references. Uh, it's exactly what Venom says. This is kind of like a, 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 a mishmash of the, the stuff we're getting from the other two movies. Uh, Gunn and Fillion both agree that the most horrifying scene in the movie is the bit with Grant having sex with his wife. 
Elizabeth didn't have to act much in that scene, says Gunn, as Rooker was groping her and then he flicks her nipple. Apparently one of the producers fought hard to have Gunn cut the nipple flick. Uh, if that had been the UK, that would have been gone. Um, a couple of different studios wanted to produce the film, but Gunn went with Gold Circle and Universal because they wanted to start production immediately and they offered him real freedom, including a nipple flick. Um, I did including the nipple flick. It wasn't in the IMDb trivia, just in case anyone was asking. Uh, right. Um, Derek... And he by yes. and he bygone error two years ago, um, as an adjudicator for the 2006 episode, you were like, "Hell no," to your selections, hosts. I put forward Slither, um, and we took that Slither and we took it to the other hosts, and it was voted down. So uh, you have the chance here with the right argument to uh, set the record straight. So the floor is yours. Now. Before we move on, I want to make a, a statement because, of, you know, when you listen, we get when you're adjudicator, you actually get to listen to the show. You do, yeah. It, and the argument for why you picked the host over Slither was the CGI hasn't aged well. Yep. But the whole thing about the host is the creature is badly aged CGI. Yep. Just saying. That's why I kind of. I, made that I, I would. I would person. counter. I would counter that argument by saying that the budgets between movies are vastly different. Slither has a much that, higher budget. That's true because you know the Korean CGI is not that great. I've seen Dragon Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's an experience of a fever dream of a movie. Uh, weirdly, but, uh, it's, it's flipped now. Korean movies have a lot of money spent on them. Um, it just took. It just took. Uh, it just took a bit of time. Yes, yeah, yeah. Personally, like Slither is, it's one of my personal go-to's. You know, mm-hmm. I have fun with this movie. You know, am I gonna say it's the best movie that's gonna be here? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's super fun. I love, like you can see, like James Gunn style hasn't really changed much since this movie. Like yeah. his use of soundtrack, fantastic. You know, I love when, you know. Uh, after Grant gets taken over by the alien and it's like that song, the new kid comes to town starts playing. I'm like, ah, oh, it's telling the story with the movie, with the soundtrack. It's great in that sense where, you know, you get a little musical and this is the best thing Rob Zombie's ever connected with because he plays Dr. Carl on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's fun to see kids. Lloyd Kaufman, his old boss in the movie too, who's in most of his movies and cameos. But uh, yeah, you know, Michael Rooker is fantastic. That performance with all that makeup, mm-hmm. it's great. You know, Greg Henry, I have fun as Jack McCready, the mayor. Oh, I love fucking I love just had Greg a Henry. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking great in this movie. Fucking had a slug in my fucking mouth. <laughs> Spin, you know, fucking great. You know. Especially when he has that big tumor on his neck later. Just fucking kill me! <laughs> I wish Brenda someone would just get fat. him his goddamn Mr. Pib. Fucking Brenda when she's all fat. I'm so fucking hungry, Bill. Please feed me that possum. <laughs> it's just fucking funny to me, you know. I love that it's like a mixture of the thing with Night of the Creeps. 
Mm. You know, but you know, it's weird because the, the, when I was watching the interview of the Scream Factory Blu-ray, the idea it's weird because when he got the idea of this movie, he was watching Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon. Oh, nice. <laughs> because it's like fucking, because it's weird, because it's kind of like this weird love triangle, because you have Starla with uh, Bill Nathan Fillion's character, and they were like, probably like high school sweethearts. He went away for a while, and he comes back, and she's married to this older man, you know? So you get this weird, like, Rashomon love triangle thing going on, <laughs> two in the movie. And it's fucking bizarre. I love it. It has a lot of homages the shit that i loved growing up and it kept me interested enough to you know lots of ooey gooey fucking effects in the movie yeah there's some cgi in it but there's a lot of practical that mix in with the cgi which kind of works better with that i think cgi works better when there is some practical effects mixed in with it in that sense but anyways i have fun with slither it you know Guardians of the Galaxy, one of my favorite movies too. I love a lot of Super was fun. I love a lot of James Gunn stuff. He's a fun director. I can't wait to see what he does next. Nice. Right, let's go to Mark Ball. Uh, so I saw this in theaters when it came out and I loved it back then. It's super gross. It's got some great special effects. Uh, it's It's got another, another one with a really goofy, like specific sense of humor that you only find in James Gunn movies. Uh, I, I didn't really, I haven't seen this very many times, I don't think, since it came out in theaters. So, and this was one of the last things I watched for the summer series. Uh, I, I really, I still really like it. And it's another one that I'm willing to forgive some of the, the, the special effects work that may not have aged well, just because of the tone of this thing is so yeah. fucking goofy. Like that, that was my big takeaway. I was like, I can't believe a movie this gross and this weird and this goofy came out in fucking theaters and like actually made like a decent amount of money because like uh, if you would have done this on this shit, like he he pulled out all of the tricks that he learned working for Trauma and it, uh, and it appears in this movie somewhere. Uh, so like <laughs> just for that, I think it's unique. I, I wish more movies like along these lines. We were getting quite a bit of stuff like this, like in the early 2000s, I feel like, and a lot of it may have gotten overlooked a little bit. But uh, yeah, especially for like a wide theatrical release, this is uh, this is pretty fucking out there. Nice. Uh, Mr. Venom, you're up next. Yeah, there two movies came out right around the same time that I expected them to be just, you know, garbage theatrical horror that I would never watch again. And they both absolutely surprised me, and that's Slither and Feast. Two movies oh, that, nice, yeah. on paper, really just have no right to be as good as they are, but legitimately, and Feast especially, not that we're talking about Feast today, but I, I absolutely adore that film. Mm -hmm. Slither, I'm a big fan of. I really, really like this movie. It's incredibly funny. Like Derek said, um, James Gunn's use of scores is just second to none. I mean, the way that he uses pop music in such a fluid and meaningful way Mm -hmm. uh, it's just second to none. I mean, I, I go back to that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 soundtrack is literally one of the greatest mm -hmm. scores ever. It is spectacular. And the way that every song is used in the film, it's so poignant. And we see where that comes from in this film. I mean, you know, I, I can't imagine that any of us here are actually Air Supply fans, but the use <laughs> of the Air Supply music in this movie is spectacular. Awesome. It's, it's so great. So... 
you definitely see the big things that James Gunn has ahead of him in this film. And uh, I really wish he would have stuck with the genre a little bit longer. I mean, who's going to say no to Marvel and DC money, yeah. obviously? I mean, duh. Uh, you know, we all got bills to pay, but man, I would absolutely love for maybe like an A24 or a Blumhouse to just mm. give them a few million dollars to, you know, try to uh, get back into the genre. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this movie didn't do too well in the theater, and that's specifically because of its um, budget. I mean, this movie had a $15.5 million budget. Yeah. That's pretty high for a semi-indie horror film you know this wasn't like a gigantic release necessarily i mean it was a, at least in la it got a pretty decent theatrical release same thing with feast um but it, it you know it all i think it only made like 12.8 worldwide through its entire theatrical run so it definitely lost the company money whereas something like feast that only cost three million dollars yeah. is going to bring in a little bit of cash for the company you know it could make that same 12 million dollars in theaters and suddenly that's a success so yeah um too bad. I, I would I would have loved to have seen more of this vein, like James Gunn doing alien invasion type movies. You know, all, I, like I would love to see him remake Mars Attacks or something mm. like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, just because of the strength of, of this one. But yeah, um, a, a beautiful, beautiful horror comedy. I, I've always had, and, and this is kind of an issue with me. I've always kind of had a problem calling horror comedies the best of the year. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing that unless they're called Shaun of the Dead or What We Do in the Shadows, I, I, it's really, really difficult to say this is one of the best horror films of the year. Horror, of course, is, you know, it's the genre of darkness, of fear. And, you know, I understand that laughing and, and fear are two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit heavy. And I'm such a horror purist. I mean, The Exorcist is my favorite movie of all time, regardless of genre. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of those things where if they would have interjected comedy into that movie, eh, I don't think I would have been as big a fan of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still absolutely love Slither. Just watched it Saturday. I watched the Scream Factory Blu-ray. Watched some great special features and interviews. Nathan Fillion. This is the movie that kind of made me a Nathan Fillion fan. I was, I was, you know, I don't really watch, you know, any of the sci-fi TV that he's ever really done. My wife's more into that, but this was the movie that kind of, you know, turned me around on him. And then, of course, his Star Wars appearances ended up just putting him over the top for me. But yeah, this is a great movie. Beautiful cast. Great score. Some deep, some really cool cinematography, you know, out, out of the horror genre, and and just a fun movie overall. I mean, I can't really, you know, it's hokey, it's silly. Some people are gonna look at this as just a stupid movie, and ultimately, yeah, it is a stupid movie, but it's a great stupid movie. So, yeah, I I, I can't say enough good things about this. I, I, I this is a guilty pleasure, absolutely. I love it. Nice, uh, Jeff. Right. Thoughts on the movie? Yeah, I'm there with everybody else. I really enjoyed this one as well. Um, glad Derek and Venom brought up that the soundtrack is such an influential like part of the film, and you could kind of tell the story based on it. Uh, Gun reminds me of Edgar Wright in that kind of fashion. Mm -hmm. They both really use the soundtrack to the film's advantage. Um, another another film Derek referred to as Gooey. And I couldn't agree more gooey and drippy. That's that's what this film does well. Um, CGI at times takes away a little bit for me, but not, it's, you know, kind of like we said last week with Frighteners, it's not that bad. And as you keep watching, it, it kind of goes away. It's 
there, there's not too much to complain about with this film and you know it's one that i could put on at any point and watch so nice uh yeah um i mean guys this is it's a joy to watch it really is. i think the thing is is one like a lot of these movies that that stand out and the It'd be very easy to sit there and go Night of the Creeps. It'd be very easy to sit there and uh, and say, well, you know, it's 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 you know, it's completely ripping that off, which I do remember reading reviews of at the time. And I think that's a, 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 almost a disservice. That'd be like saying, oh well, you know, that, well, Night of the Creeps is only ripping off um, Shivers, and then Shivers is only ripping, and then we're going back and back and back. Like that. It's it's not yeah. that way. It's it's, it's a kind of is using it as a plot device, a device that's been used before in other movies. But this is not the same movie. It's it's got. I don't know if this is the one that like initially put James Gunn completely on my radar, but it's certainly one of those ones where I was like the trauma guy, <laughs> like the trauma guy. Did they give how much money to the trauma guy? Um, and like like Venom said, like I saw this in the cinema and I was expecting so very little <laughs> from it, and it did. It, you know, it, it landed really well for me. It's a movie that's very easy to watch. You like, I don't have to challenge myself for being in a particular mood to shove on slither I just sit down and watch it and and laugh at the bits that are very funny it's got a great cast uh, Michael Rooker is absolutely fucking awesome Greg Henry like I said before in anything and I'm I'm smiling face you know from one ear to the other um, Nathan Fillion's great uh, the score is awesome we've covered that um, some of the CGI like I say is a bit dodgy but some of the other practical effects are really fucking good so it gets those elements right I think Ultimately, where you come down on this particular group of movies um, isn't necessarily... We've got one movie that is completely devoid of humour and bitch and practical effects. We've got another movie which is, you know, is dark but also has the humour, has great practical effects. And then we've got a movie here that is predominantly humour. Doesn't uh, has some great practical effects and some ropey CGI, but for the most part across the board, none of these movies are bad movies. But there's only one spot, <laughs> and this is where we keep coming back to. There's only one spot, only one movie can go through, and Mr. Venom is going to kick us off here with his two votes, which will set the tone. All we need is four to one movie to tip it over the edge. Mr. Venom, the floor, my friend, is yours. All right, well, coming into this episode, I was fully prepared to give both of my votes to Behind the Mask. It was probably the most fun I had re-watching these three movies over the last week or so. But just hearing some of the sheer joy that a movie like Slither brought to us, it may not be the most gory or horror-filled movie out there, but it's legitimately something that even though I'm not big on calling a horror comedy one of the best of the years, mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like this is a pretty good exception. And especially because I went in just expecting next to nothing and getting something that, you know, I bought as soon as it came out on physical media. I've owned it multiple times and has turned into, you know, really one of my favorite guilty pleasures i mean it's up there with eight-legged freaks and you know, stuff <laughs> like that so 
Um, so I think I'm going to do what Mark did on our first episode this week. Yes, I'm going <laughs> nice. to split my vote because I honestly can't pick between the two. Like, they're two very different movies, and I have to be in a certain mood to watch one over the other. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it just based on this conversation and uh, you know and and even just remembering some of the joy that a movie like slither has brought me personally uh, i think it, i think it's fair to split my vote between slither and um what the hell is the other one? uh behind the mask <laughs> all right nice well we have one to each uh mark ball where's your vote going buddy oh i'm kind of man if if this was the episode where i got two votes on i would have done the exact same thing as Mr. <laughs> Venom did because I'm leaning towards those two behind the mask and uh, Slither. Um, I would probably vote for behind the mask if some of the some of the jokes didn't feel quite so played out. So I, I think I'm gonna vote for Slither. Oh, two for Slither, one for behind the mask. Let's go to GF. Mm, let's keep it drippy. <laughs> we'll go with Slither. Three, three for Slither. Derek, where is your vote going? Slither. It's four for Slither. Slither All goes drippy. Slither goes through. Um, <laughs> I will also put my vote to Slither. Um, didn't need it. Uh, I don't want to be called a hero, but I will accept it. Uh, Flawless victory. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there I we go. There we go. Slither goes through, ladies and gents. It joins Pan's Labyrinth and host representing 2006. Guys, I love it when a, a plan... Weird triple feature. Is a we- yeah, it's a weird... <laughs> it's like the evolution of practical effects in creature design. <laughs> like The best that you're ever going to see and then maybe not as much. Uh, the <laughs> Right, uh, yeah, that is, gentlemen, that is our work concluded here, which means the only thing that's left to do is pimp your wares. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out to sit down and roll through the sixes with me. Mr. Venom, pimp your wares. All right, you can hear me on all of the No More Room in Hell podcast. That is the main show, No More Room in Hell, with our friend Derek. Uh, no More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts, where we look at uh, specifically creature features, also with Derek. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> no More Room in Hell presents Fresh Cuts, which is our weekly podcast where we look at the newest genre releases. And I am actually breaking uh, a promise that I made to Mike, and I am actually announcing our new podcast here <gasps> instead of on one of my shows. Starting uh, next month, Michael Michael Merriman and myself will be starting No More Room in Hell Presents the Crystal Lake Gift Shop. And what that show will be, it will be an episode-by-episode retrospective of Friday the 13th, the series. Oh, wow. Love it it or hate it, we're going to have some fun with that one. So (laughs) we're going to have a special guest on every episode. uh, So look out for that one. But yeah. That's where you can hear me, folks. Look up No More Room in Hell and you'll find me. Excellent. Uh, Derek, uh, you've got some crossover there, so pimp your rear, sir. Yes, you know, uh, me and Venom, always on the same side. Always when we go against Mr. Michael Merriman on the (laughs) No More Room in Hell podcast. You know, it's great. Even though Mike's last picks weren't that bad. 
I'll admit that. They're actually great picks for mm -hmm. once. And then, of course, on Creature Comforts, which will be returned soon that we do with the infamous Don and Ellie. We, uh, what was the last thing we covered? Mad God? Yes, sir. Mad God. Yeah. Phil Tippett's Mad God, which is a bizarre movie that you should definitely... Damn, if you watch that movie on something, you're fucking gonna have a bad trip, or maybe a great trip. Depends on your yeah. time. But uh, legal substances are strongly recommended. <laughs> yeah, you know, I also have my other show that's kind of on a hiatus right now with scheduling, which is Cinema Attack. You can find that on Anchor.fm, and also uh, you can catch the back catalog of my other show that I do with a fellow podcaster, Lacey Lou, on the Cut to the Chase feed. They are here podcast. Which has some rumblings of returning soon. Won't say when, because you gotta still schedule that out and get the bumps up. But that's about it for me. Awesome. Mark Ball, pimp your rears. Uh, so you can find Duncan and I watching some video nasties over on the Doing the Nasty podcast that's on the Teapots Collective. Uh, we're, we're, we took a little, little short, very short break. It will be back here pretty soon. But so I've got <laughs> I've had a really busy summer outside of podcasting shit too. Uh, I've been writing some music. Uh, you can find me on Spotify and Apple Music and all that shit. Uh, search for Fancy Mark. I just put out an album in June called Jinx. I'd really like it if you listen to it and stream it. Uh, you can find it on Band Bandcamp also. Just search for Fancy Mark Jinx is the name of the album. Uh, yeah, other than that, unless you're, you know, in my kind of general area of the Rocky Mountains, if you want to book me for a show, hit me up on social medias, uh, the fancy mark on Twitter and Instagram and all that shit. So nice. Uh, Jeff, pump your rears. All right. So you can find me on Night of the Nerdy Laser podcast, where I Such kind a good of. Name. <laughs> bullied my way into being a co-host about 15 episodes in because i was like hey let me let me in let me in let me in <laughs> now but yes i'm on there uh with my co-host richard yule and uh matt now why don't i know your last name well matt so he's on there um and then we also have a streaming show for video um called trash talk and that can be found on tingler television right now um, Ooh, opening, yeah, we're hoping to get our um, YouTube page up and running and get some other stuff on there as well. Really trying to grow. Nice, nice. Well, support these podcasters who have given up their time to come across and do summer series. Jeff will be back um, on an upcoming episode. You're doing the nings, so you'll be bringing the, the, the heat to close out these ones. Mark, you've still got one to do, yeah? Uh, yeah, I forget what your you're the, you must be the eights, I think. I think I think you're right. Yeah, the eights or the sevens, one of the two. Um, the eights, sevens, sevens. I don't know sevens. <laughs> sevens, eights, all the rest. I don't know yet. Venom and Derek, your obligations to the series are now concluded, so you can now return to the general population. Um thanks again for, for, for joining me on this one I'm going to take my final break of this episode though when I come back we'll see how well you listeners did did you pick Slither um, or did you go somewhere else I'll also be recapping everything we've done this week I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this you're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs
And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 388. This has been a summer series episode concluding our week of episodes on sixes, bitches, as we did 2006. And Slither has slithered its way into that top three. Very great to see it make its way right there. Slither joins the duo of Pan's Labyrinth and The Host to represent this year going on to Thunderdome. I want to thank my guest hosts for their participation in this entire week of podcast content. They really brought the fucking heat and did the job they needed to do. And we've concluded another contractual week of hard-earned work. However, we couldn't have been more off the mark than what the listeners wanted through. Slither only got 10% of the votes in the Facebook poll. Hills Have Eyes got 20%. And no surprise to anyone, horror fan favourite, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, top to table with fucking 70%. So it wasn't even close. So I imagine the... 10% of people that voted for Slither are happy right now and everyone else fucking hates us and I wouldn't have it any other way. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Whatever your listeners right now, hit subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's content. Do not stop there though. We have a sister feed, a second feed if you will, called the Teapot's Collective. Over there I have four shows that I record edit and curate for your listening pleasure. Those shows are where to begin with. We also have Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty and Chronicle. That is one feed, four shows, plus all their archives at the touch of a button. So subscribing to both the feeds is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. Alternatively, if you want to just get them all in one place, then visit our website. It's tputzcast.com. Links to everything is right there. There's also another show there, though. It's called Jaws' Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts. It's a booze-based banter entertainment podcast featuring myself, The Baz, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs. Evil. It's got four drunk Scotsmen playing in to every stereotype you can. The only thing missing is the kilts, which we will be wearing when we're recording. We're not going to give that away. It's not a video podcast, so you'll never know. Jaws' Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts exclusively available on tputzcast.com. If you're on Facebook and you want to get involved with some of the bands over there, take part in the polls that I've been posting. Post questions, horror movies you're interested in, or just general discussion. It's a pretty cool group. You can do that by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast. The Teapots Collective is a Facebook page on Facebook, and it's purely a page that I post everything that I'm on. And that can be found at facebook.com forward slash teapotscast. And if you like your internet weird then you want to be involved with the Jaws' Shite Facebook group page. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash a regrettable pod. If you hate Facebook, and who can blame you, and you'd much rather interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, that's Instagram and the Twitters, you can do that at teaputzcast for both. The podcast Under the Stairs returns for you tomorrow with a little exclusive 
well, screener. I'm saying exclusive. It's not really exclusive. Other people have reviewed it. I'm going to say exclusive, though. Why not? We'll just fucking throw that word around. An exclusive review of an Arrow Films title, which will be making its way later on in the year, but it's already played Fright Fest, and I got a screener due to Fright Fest season, and I'm finally getting around to it. It's a little French number, and that's all we're going to say about that. So until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. (laughs) 